Wednesday evening. Time for some jazz. So I'd like to start the show by apologizing for being away for so long. It's been a little over a month since my last jazz show. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the main show. Some people only listen to the jazz, and that's that's totally cool. Totally cool. The main show takes a quite a bit more out of me because it's uh, 20 artists, and the shows are becoming rather marathonic. Marathonic? I don't think that's actually a term, but I'm going to use that today because I've been uh, pushing the five-hour limit on those shows, and uh, not only does the research take a great amount of time, but the uh, production thereof also occupies a great amount of my time. So I apologize for uh, taking so long between jazz shows. The other thing I need to mention is that, well, you know, with this whole global pandemic thing, it's 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 been weighing heavy on my mind as of late. Uh, no doubt you're the same. And it's... Uh, it's taken its toll on me emotionally and mentally. Not physically, surprisingly. I've, I've only really put on five pounds of weight, and quite frankly, I can lose that in a day. And if you aren't capable of doing that, I'm sorry. Um, if that has upset you, I don't mean to do that. I just have a stupid metabolism, and with a uh, minimal amount of exercise, I'm able to maintain my ideal weight. Um, it's genetics. But you have to remember that I am bald and not voluntarily. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes genetics are your friends, sometimes less so. Okay. Might I mention that I'm also allergic to everything? Okay. Okay. No, no sympathy for me, please, please. I just, I just don't want to cause harm or upset or hurt to anyone. This entire program is about um, loving jazz and the music that uh, puts our mind and heart and soul at ease. So today's show, of course, uh, this is part 25, uh, Supplemental Songs and Stories. Songs and Stories. Let's start that again. Songs and Stories, Supplemental Jazz Edition, part 25. And if you're listening for the first time, uh, well, there's obviously 24 more shows prior to this one, but this all started as kind of a lark, and it turned into a thing, and I'm incredibly passionate about it, and I want it to be something that brings you um, peace, or joy, or harmony with the universe, or some sort of um, emotional, ethereal physical satisfaction if that's at all possible I'd, I don't know but I digress so starting off today's show from the uh, sixth studio album by the uh, amazing saxophonist Sonny Rollins recorded in 1956 and released in early 1957 recorded at the Van Gilder studio in Hackensack, New Jersey the hard bop classic Moritat Please pay attention. As the first few licks kind of sound familiar, I think you're going to recognize them. (laughs) 
Sonny Rollins with his version of Moritat, which you may recall as Mac the Knife. As I stated earlier, recorded in 1956 and released in uh, 1957, an absolutely blistering version of Moritat, which is a variation of the song which was originally written in 1928. Um, by uh, two composers, uh, well, the composer Kurt Weil and lyrics by uh, Bertrand Brick uh, for the 1928 uh, musical drama The Three Penny Opera. Uh, and the German version was Die, and please bear with me if I mispronounce this, I apologize. Die Drigo Schnaufner. That's probably incorrect, as I, I want to do that. Want, W N T. W-A-N-T. So, Moritat is... It's a medieval version of a murder ballad performed by strolling minstrels. So, in the play, The Three Penny Opera, the Moritat singer... Uh, there's And there are lyrics, actually, to the version you just heard. And it's not the Mac the Knife version. There's a different version. But I, this is my jazz show, and I'm all about the music. But I'm going to try and dig into this as much as I can for you without boring the heck out of you. As the play opens with the Mortat singer comparing uh, Mac Heath, or Mac the Knife, with a shark and then telling the tales of his crimes, arson, robbery, rape and murder. So a pretty bad person. So it was kind of a last-minute addition, as I understand it, to the original play. Now, of course, 
We're all quite familiar with the Bobby Darren version because that was the most popular version that was ever recorded. And I got, I've got to read this quote as it was written exactly in uh, the Financial Times in uh, 1958 when the song, uh, or not, sorry, 1959 when the song was released. It was recorded on December 19th, 1958 and released in August of 59 as a single, of course. Uh, it was from the album That's All, Bobby Darren. And here's the quote about this song. And I'm going to change up for this so you'll understand its quotation voice reading. Bobby Darren took the song by the scruff of the neck and turned it into a swing classic, widely known today. Unlike the Brecht Vile original, which remains in the same key throughout, Darren's version changes key chromatically no fewer than five times, ratcheting up the tension. Of course, that was from the Financial Times, written in 1959. Now, the song hit number two in 59 for Bobby Darren. And again, multiple layers to this, because this is not a Bobby Darren song. This is uh, Sonny Rollins' version of a three-penny opera song written originally in German, which I think is quite fascinating. There's a, certainly a lot more layers to it, but let's let's just backtrack and get into Sonny. Sonny uh, sort of retired, for the most part, from music in 2012. He's still alive. He's 90 years of age, but he's one of the most revered sax players of all time. This version, of course, re recorded by uh, Rudy Van Gilder at the Van Gilder Studios in Hackensack, New Jersey, is probably, quite frankly, the penultimate version. I don't think there's a, a better version available. As a matter of fact, uh, every music critic that has reviewed this record and this song, well, they've all given it five stars. All Music, Downbeat, Encyclopedia of Popular Music, Jazz Wise, Music Hound Jazz, The Penguin Guide to Jazz, The Rolling Stone Jazz Record Guide, all five stars. The only one that did not give it a five out of five or a four out of four, whichever the case may be, from one um, critic to the other, was the Rolling Stone Album Guide, which gave it four stars, which is quite complex and I don't quite understand. So if the Rolling Stone Jazz Record Guide gave it five, why did the album guide give it four? The entire record from start to finish is magnificent. And I recommend you check it out. Saxophone Colossus from Sonny Rollins. It is available on the Spotify for streaming. And if you have a paid service like myself, you can download any of the tracks you wish. And the beauty of that is you can listen to them when you're oftentimes in areas where there's no actual cell phone or Wi-Fi. And that's the beauty of that. Okay. I could continue on with that particular cut for quite some time with the relationship to Sonny Rollins, Bobby Darren, the lyrics, and how it went on and about, but let's just move things along, shall we? So I, I'm going to play a song by Mr. Paul Chambers. Um... Sadly, Mr. Chambers passed away in uh, 1969 at the very young age of 33. However, 
his plane is still very much felt today as he's affected so many contemporary artists. This is from an, an album recorded in 1957. He was uh, 22, 21 at the time. My apologies, 21 at the time. And, well, enjoy this. This is, um, you'd be so nice to come home to. From the album Bass on Top, Mr. Paul Chambers. Thank you. 
October 57, recorded in July at the Van Gelder Studio in Hackensack, New Jersey. You just heard the 2007 digital remaster, which cleaned up the original recording. Quite magnificent. 
Paul Chambers, the double bass player who was uh, a genius who was taken from us at far too young an age. Of course, we'll get into that in a second, but uh, on that recording it featured the brilliant Hank Jones on piano, the incomparable Kenny Burrell on guitar, and the magnificent Art Taylor on drums. Seven cuts on that release, uh, second of course was the one you just heard, It'd Be So Nice To Come Home To, originally written by Cole Porter for the 1943 film Something To Shout About. And in that film, it was introduced by Janet Blair and uh, Donna Miche. Donna Miche, uh, you may remember him from the Cocoon films and Trading Places, among others. If you're of a certain age, and if you're of a different age, you might remember him from his earlier work. He passed away in 1993. I think he was about 84, 85 years of age at the time. Now, that particular recording has been... Uh, there. There are lyrics to it, of course, and... There's multiple variations and versions of the recording available, if you seek them out. Dinah Shore had a hit with it. Um, if you are, again, of a certain age, you will remember that Dinah Shore was a talk show host in the 70s, who for a long period of time had a very torrid love affair with the late great Burt Reynolds. Yep, that Burt Reynolds, Smokey and the Bandit, the actual Bandit. Harry Connick Jr. recorded a version in 2019. Frank Sinatra has a version from uh, his album The Swingin' Affair in 1957. Now, Bing Crosby, Bing Crosby, Bing Crosby, boy, oh boy, oh boy, I'm, I'm combining two names here, so please bear with me. Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney. Sometimes my dyslexia gets the best of me. Uh, they recorded a song for the radio show in 1958, and it was released on the album Bing and Rosie, the Crosby Clooney Radio Sessions. Um, you can find that. It is available. At, um, I think it was released in 2010, so it's, it's out there if you search for it. Nina Simone has a version from her album Nina Simone at Newport, released in 1960. And Julie London, Juliet Home, 1960. So multiple versions of the song are available, but quite frankly, my favorite is the uh, Paul Chambers full instrumental version you just heard. The thing about jazz, I mean, certainly we can, we can listen to all of the vocal jazz that there is available to hear, and there's, there's so much of it, and I don't discount it. Once in a blue moon, I will play a jazz recording with vocals, but... For myself personally, it's all about the instrumentation, the smooth, cool, modal, hard bop, bebop feel. I, I just want to groove, man. Okay. Give me one second here. Terribly sorry, I had a, a cough coming and I didn't want to do that into the microphone. No, I don't have the Rona. So Mr. Paul Chambers had a very short life. He, uh, he was born in 1935 and passed away at the tender age of 33 in 1969. I was uh, barely, uh, well, I was a few, few months shy of my uh, first birthday when he died in January of 1969. A very influential individual and, and, and is on some landmark recordings. Charlie Hayden, uh, a fellow bass player, 
In an interview, he recalled his his admiration for Paul Chambers, and I'd like to read that quotation uh, to you now to just try and sort of sum up how much of an influence he was on people. So, the first guy who was really distinctive to me when I was 19 or so was Paul Chambers, who I heard on all those prestige and Riverside records. There's an underrated player. He had a way of playing chromatic notes in his bass lines that was just unreal. He would go up into the higher register and then skip down, tying it together. He had this great sound and this great time. Charlie Hayden is an incredibly uh, revered uh, bass player who's, my goodness, been recording for, well... I guess his his career lasted for almost 50 years. He passed away at the age of 76 in 2014. But he had almost a 50-year career. And as I said, uh, very influenced by Mr. Chambers. Heavily influenced by Mr. Chambers. Sadly, Paul only had uh, about eight albums of material released. He did record with other artists, but mostly played live with other artists. Sadly, uh, very sadly, he his addictions to both alcohol and heroin kind of what brought about the end of his life. He, um, well, he, he technically officially died of tuberculosis, but he'd been damaging his body for a number of years prior to that, and eventually it took its toll. Okay, let's uh, move on from sad things to happy things, shall we? I think we shall. So, I'd like to play you this song by, well, technically, <laughs> another individual who just succumbed to his his uh, addictions. However, he did live a few years longer. And this particular recording uh, is monumental because it was recorded, um, my goodness, almost exactly two months prior to his death. Unbelievably influential individual. Uh, he, he was just so, well, much. So much of everything. He recorded on some of the biggest albums in jazz history. And his influence, of course, is still very much felt today. It's possible he may have still been alive had he been able to kick his habits. However, we'll never know. At the age of 51, 1980, he passed away due to a heroin addiction, sadly. And it's, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to put it together like that, but that's just somehow some way things just fall into place in that manner. I don't seek out songs written or performed by individuals who've passed away. I just listen to the music and the music is what strikes me and if one song I feel fits well with another or goes with the vibe I'm trying to portray that day, I just put it together. Of course, when I do the research on an individual, some of these individuals I, I, I know a fair bit about. Others I don't necessarily know about how their life came to a, a rather abrupt end, but nevertheless, uh, 
I still want to feature the music. So this recording is a live recording. This is uh, Bill Evans from the album Complete Live at Ronnie Scott's July 21st, 1980. This is Days of Wine and Roses.
late, great Bill Evans. The complete live recording, live at Ronnie Scott's in 1980. Sadly, of course, uh, he was uh, he passed away barely two months later, um, largely due to his uh, addictions. Uh, he, he kicked his heroin habit uh, with the help of the methadone program, but he became addicted to cocaine. <laughs> and it kind of started with one gram per weekend, but... Uh, Later started to be about several grams a day. Bill was not meant for this world. Now, yes, he long struggled with, um, excuse, uh, sorry, uh, drug addiction. But his his uh, his brother Harry, um, who was also a brilliant player in and of his own right, he. Um, he was uh, about a year or two older. Um, he committed suicide. He was had been diagnosed with schizophrenia and had been um, in and out of hospital throughout his life. But he, as I said, he committed suicide at the age of 52, and this that was in 79, and it really took a heavy toll on Bill. And barely a year later, Bill was dead. Now, I, I have so much information on Bill Evans that I, I'd love to relay to you right now. I featured him in the past, and I intend to feature him again in the near future. Uh, but what, when, I, when I go over the notes that I have for Bill and, and, and how absolutely influential he was on so many recordings for the, the short time he was with us, I feel it would... Uh, be in my best interest and your best interest as a listener to have a total show on Bill. So, to that, I will be doing a um, a special edition of a special edition, as, as this is a break-off from the main show. I'm going to do a, a Bill Evans show in the near future. However, I have to do an Oscar Peterson show first, okay? Because Oscar is... My first love when it comes to jazz. All right. I need to move it along just because I'm running short on time and I like to keep this short around uh, the one-hour time period and and we're, we're rapidly closing in on that, Mark. If I go a couple of minutes over, that's okay, but I want to keep the jazz show short and sweet until I do special features as I feature five artists in this uh, supplemental show. I want to keep it too close to the one hour mark. So, without any further ado, this is Jean-Baptiste with In the Night.
The Great Jonathan Baptiste or Jean Baptiste from the album Jazz Is Now, released in 2013, that is In the Night. Of course, you may recognize Mr. Baptiste from his appearances as the band leader on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Yes, he's the individual behind the piano on that program. He's been on the show since 2015. Of course, prior to that, he'd recorded with a multitude of artists and toured around the world. He's performed with Stevie Wonder, Prince, Willie Nelson, Lenny Kravitz, Ed Sheeran, and the magnificent Mavis Staples. His band is uh, called Stay Human, and they've been touring the world for decades. Well, a decade-ish, I should say. He is quite young. He does have a very long musical pedigree as he comes from a a very large Catholic family in uh, Metairie, Louisiana. His parents, Estella and Jean, well, Estella and Jean Baptiste, owned a grocery store and hardware store in the Ninth Ward of New Orleans, which, if anybody knows anything about the Ninth Ward, it's a relatively impoverished area. However, the Baptiste family is uh, very much a musical dynasty. Lionel uh, Baptiste of the uh, Treem Brass Band, Milton Baptiste of the Olympia Brass Band, composer and arranger uh, Harold Baptiste and Russell Baptiste Jr., all of the Olympia Brass Band. As I said, he is on the uh, Late Show with Stephen Colbert and has recorded and performed with a multitude of artists. On the show, he's, well, both Jean Baptiste and his band Stay Human have performed alongside uh, Billy Joel, Will Smith, Wynton Marsalis, John Legend, and the magnificent, incredibly talented young girl, because she is a young girl, Grace Vanderwall. He's also performed with Nas, who is a fan of jazz, for those of you who are unaware. There is a ton of information about Mr. Batiste available to you, and, 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 and I would love to go into details, but as I said, we are running late today, and I need to feature one more artist. As I stated earlier, I will be doing a show, exclusive show, on Bill Evans in the very near future, but first I have to feature Little Burgundy's own Oscar Peterson, the O.P., that will be coming up probably in the next seven or eight days. Hopefully, if I can get my act together and get everything produced and recorded and researched in time. I'm going to leave you with one more song today. This is from the island Iron Starlet herself. From the album Iron Starlet, this is Connie Han. Connie Han, sorry, H-A-N. Connie Han with the song for the OG. <laughs>
for the OG. And I do seriously wonder if the OG was meant to be the OP, Oscar Peterson, because if you listen to her playing, you can certainly hear the man with four hands influence. Yes, I know I wax poetic about Oscar, but I love his music, so I'm going to do that. So Miss Connie Han, Han, H-A-N, sorry, I keep I keep screwing up her name and I apologize for that. A very young woman, uh, 23 years of age. That uh, recording was from her album, The Iron Starlet, released in uh, June of 2020. I expect centuries, centuries, well, several decades of music to come forth from her. And I expect that they will all be as magnificent as what you've just heard. I need to read you the following quote directly from her record label's website, Mac Avenue Music Group. Connie Hahn's career may be in the early stages of what promises to be a vertiginous climb, but the 23-year-old pianist and composer is no wide-eyed aspirant timidly searching for her place in the crowded jazz landscape. One listen to Iron Starlet is ample evidence that she's every bit an armor-clad talent, as the name implies. Her powerful vision takes in the full evolution of her forebearers. From iconic innovators like McCoy Tyner and Hank Jones through the Young Lion Revolution, spearheaded by the Marsalis brothers, Kenny Kirkland and Jeff Train Watts, among others. You need to remember that McCoy Tyner was incredibly influenced by Oscar Peterson. It all goes back to Oscar in the end. Okay. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. And I apologize for taking so long to get it recorded and put out there for you. But uh, as I said, the, the, the life gets in the way sometimes. And, and the mental health of one individual can sometimes take precedence. Individual in question, of course, was me, and I have no doubt the pandemic has taken its toll on you, too. Despite the fact that I do have a job to get up to and go to every day, which, believe me, is magnificent. I get to go out of my house and work amongst human beings. That's been incredibly rewarding and and, and very um, fulfilling. However, we all need more, right? That's not nearly enough. And now that the pubs are open in the city of Ottawa, I, I make my way to the pub on Fridays. That's a, that's a standard affair. If, if, if you're in Ottawa and uh, you want to pop into the Lieutenant's Pump at 361 Elgin Street on a Friday, anytime after 5 p.m., I'm always there. Um, be nice to uh, say hello. From a distance, of course, because you'd be outside of my bubble. So, you sit over there, I sit over here, we'll give each other a wave. I'll send you a pint, you send me a pint, we're all good. (laughs) Okay, until we meet again, my friends, and I do promise you it will be much sooner. Wherever you are in this world, I I hope you're doing well. Mentally and physically. Take care.